Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. All right, we're back with another episode of Melting Off, a new Ocean culture podcast on Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM from Bad Mouth Theater Company, badmouthtc.com. Come to our upcoming reading of a new script, a new comedy, The Edge of Liberty, September 18th at 7 p.m. sharp at Waldman Brewery here in beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota. You're going to laugh. Depending on how online you are, you might get some of the jokes. You might The jokes may land a little harder uh, if, you're, if you spend a lot of time listening to podcasts, if you spend a lot of time doom-scrolling what used to be Twitter. But you don't need to know those things to appreciate this new comedy, The Edge of Liberty, September 18th at Waldman Brewery, 7 p.m. It's free. You're not going to do it. You're not going to find anything more interesting on a Monday night in the Twin Cities, I promise you, uh, than this reading that we're going to be doing. It's going to be a hoot. One of the actors who's going to be in this reading that you can RSVP to at badmouthtc.com is with me. Amanda Forstrom, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Kevin. Thanks. It's good to be back talking theater, arts, and culture. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. And today's episode is going to be an in-house episode. Normally, we do interviews, but sometimes the three of us, there's a third, uh, get together and talk about what we've been up to and things that we've seen or done around the Twin Cities. We'll get to that. Fringe just ended. So Amanda and I binged some Fringe here. Binge uh, and the Fringe. Binge like the Fringe. I think this might be the uh, the episode title. We're also joined by Mari Sittner, who's coming to us from Michigan right now. Mari, how you been? I've been good. I was going to say, don't forget me. No Edge of Liberty spoilers, but I might oh, yes, be the, of course. the revenge interloper today. <laughs> forget me, just like I will be next month at Waldman. <laughs> that's that's right. I, for whatever reason, yes, of course, Mari is also going to be in the in the reading. Uh, I think I got Cannot in my wait mind. to come back. Woo! It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So you have two of the actors who are going to be in this reading uh, on September 18th at Waldman. And if you've never been to Waldman Brewery, you really you owe, owe it to yourself to get out. If not for this reading, then just generally, it's one of these authentic places. It couldn't exist in the fashion that it does in any other part of the world. It's a unique Minnesota institution in this old German farmhouse from what the 1850s or the 1860s. They're very generous hosts. They give us a room upstairs. We do these readings. It's a lot of fun. You can come and hang out with uh, with Amanda, with Mari. I'll be there. I will. I, I have to say I co-wrote the play 
with a writing partner of mine. And we're going to be doing an episode with her here soon too. So we'll talk a little more about the edge of liberty when when that happens. But please, 100%, get out, free, theater, reading, new play. It's about right-wing internet personalities, podcasters, right-wing internet radio people who experiment with polyamory for the ratings and what goes wrong. You're, what you're could not possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? And it sounds already like a certified banger. Banger. It's going to be a banger. I'm excited. And as a, as a writer, it's so cool to have the two of you. And Mari, you're coming into town for this. That means a lot. I'm really excited uh, to have the two of you, you know, willing to do this. And then also we'll get an audience out and we just finished this draft a couple weeks ago, you know? Like, how fun is that? Now we're going to get to hear it. We'll see if it works or not. Like, comedy's tough because if people stop laughing, if people aren't laughing, we're going to know. There's no question. So I, I think we're going to be fine, though, with this one. What do you What do you, What do do you? you think, Mari? I know you you read it. So you think people are going to laugh? I, I hope so. You know, I think people are going to laugh. I think they're going to, I think you're going to get some good gasps. Uh, Hopefully, yeah, I you know I laughed. Good. So I You'll... hope everybody else does too. I think it's going to be a really good time. You know, if you're like us and you see lots of clips of interesting podcasters day in and day out, you're going to get to get a little peek behind the curtain. Mm, you'll laugh. You'll gasp. You'll cringe. You'll cry. The edge and of I... liberty. I yeah. Go on. Yeah, and I just love that it's a play about. A, uh, a fairly new medium yes. podcasting, which I think is so cool. You know what I mean? How do you like, I'm just even thinking in my head, how do you direct that? How do you put it on? And what's the reading going to be like? And it's going to be awesome. I have to say too, normally we record the readings that we do, right? We put them out as part of this podcast. This will not be recorded. So if you want to get a taste of the edge of liberty, you've got to come to Waldman on September 18th for now. Later, hopefully, I think we're going to make this into something a little more real. I think we might actually get some people together and, and do it as a, a faux podcast. And it'll end up looking like a movie or some sort of weird, I don't even know what you would call it. Is it a play? Is it a movie? But in any case, when we put this out online, assuming we do, it's going to be in a more fully realized format. So if you want to see it in early days, see it before we rewrite it, see it before we work on it any any further, I think you're going to have a good time. And it's it, it shouldn't be longer than 90 minutes. You know, you'll get in, you'll laugh a lot. You can have a beer or two or three. You might want three for this. Have a, have a versed, get some kraut. You're going to have a great time. So that's the edge of liberty at Waldman. Cannot wait. Mari, and, and yeah, Mari, this is your, the, I hope it's like a dream role for you. It's my bread, my bread and butter, e-girl, playing a, <laughs> playing a real e-girl. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and Amanda, you've got to read it and then you can comment on it too, obviously. But, you know, uh, I think, I think Amanda, I think you're going to find some resonances in this part for, for yourself too. Hmm. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited. <laughs> I haven't read it and you guys are very good at keeping uh uh keeping away from the spoilers and and yet a good teasing at the same time. So I'm excited. So hopefully the audience listening feels the same way. Get out to Waldman 7 p.m. We're going to have a great time. And like you said, Kevin, we won't we we aren't going to fully put it out until it's fully realized. So Give us your feedback. Let us know what mm -hmm. you think, if you like what we're doing, and figure out how you can support the fully realized Edge of Liberty. Mm -hmm. Be edging yeah. on the Edge of Liberty with us. Yes. Yes, we're edging uh, toward liberty. The Mari, you, <laughs> you maybe know this, 
uh, more than than some other people because I know you're you like like I uh, are very online and, and Amanda you're you're very online too. Uh, but Mari, polyamory, the normal person on the street, you're not thinking about it really, but it comes you up an awful not. yeah, but it comes up an awful lot on Elon Musk's. X website on the Twitter website. Am I wrong or is it just my feed? You're not wrong. I think people love to cringe. I think the mm. general consensus is that polyamory is cringe. Reddit and cringe. That's Reddit the consensus. and cringe, not mm-hmm. base. Not base. But we're going to ask the question: Can it? Can it be based? Right. Abby and I, we like to say we've completed the system of based polyamory. So if you're curious what that looks like, you're going to want to get to the edge of liberty. And I know you are. How could you not? One, also, what does the word based mean? My friend was asking that. And it's I just a good, had, It's a good question. People do not have it. A, there's no consensus. Does it mean cool? Does it mean good? No, it based means based. And that's a tautology. And we can't have mm. too many of those before the world spins out of control. All these questions... Go on. It will be answered uh, at the reading of The Edge of Liberty. Uh, Amanda, you were going to say. And if, you know, I'm not as online as you guys are, you know, and I know some of the lingo. However, I would highly recommend maybe, a, I don't want to say Google search of based or um, some of these words, but uh, keep it, keep an ear out and and keep things in context and, and mm-hmm. you'll get it. Don't worry, boomers. Yeah. This play mm-hmm. is still for you. Come on 100%. Out. Yeah, you don't need to be very on the... If anything, you're going to come away from this feeling like you doom-scrolled Twitter for half of the pandemic. And you're going to feel like you don't need to anymore. Right, right. We did it for you. You, you'll Hopefully, you'll achieve catharsis at the end of this reading. I am really excited if you can't tell. Uh, now... On this episode, like I said, we're going to talk about the fringe, and I know Amanda has some stuff, but before we get into it, uh, we're talking about Minnesota fringe, right? This is mouthing off. We're in St. Paul. We're in the Twin Cities. Uh, I know everybody's getting ready for Edinburgh. Is probably even going on right now, but in any case, we're going to talk about the Minnesota fringe. Before I do, I have to say we have very big news for Badmouth Theater Company, badmouthtc.com, and that is we are officially a 501c3 organization, a Minnesota 501c3 not-for-profit. We're doing, we like to think we're doing a kind of community service with this show. This episode, maybe not so much. (laughs) But when we have people on, we're helping people get their message out. We're helping people promote shows. Uh, And and of course, our theater company is a not-for-profit. Nobody's taking a salary, uh, you know, and probably won't ever or for a very long time. So if you want to support this podcast, if you want to support what uh, what Bad Mouth is doing, you can do that now. There's a link uh, on the website. You just click on that PayPal, Venmo, and you know if you're really desperate to cut us a check, there's an email you can hit us up at badmouthtc at gmail.com. It means you donate. And now you can write it off. And now you can write it off. And this is how the world works. All right? So- we're excited about that 501c3 Badmouth Theater Company. So, and we we also received a generous donation from an anonymous benefactor uh, that's going to allow us to do some very cool things in the coming years. So, just stay tuned, stick with us. And if you've got something to promote, if you're in the Twin Cities and you're doing a show, I know we have Horror Fest coming up soon. Amanda, we can talk about that when we talk about one of the plays we saw. Absolutely. Email us. 
badmouthtc at gmail.com. We make these mouthing off episodes easy. All you got to do is have Zoom, have a good microphone. If you, if, if you got one, otherwise you can go right into your laptop. You can go right into a pair of earbuds. We'll make it sound good. It's audio only. You don't even have to do your makeup. You could, you could roll out of bed. You could roll out of bed. And do an episode of Mouthing Off. And I sometimes do. Why do you have to call me out like that, Kevin? That's what I, I was well, going to say. Like, what? Nobody, you know? yeah. Now you're drawing attention to yourself, Amanda, <laughs> like, an act, like an actor. Like would. an actor would. <laughs> Don't we all all the time, you know? But yeah, deadly, deadly serious. Again, culture, arts, it's not just theater. You got a book, you got a band. You got a show you're doing. You got you're trying to raise money for a movie. You want to uh, shoot a movie around here. Whatever you got going on, Twin Cities, and even beyond. But we kind of want a Twin Cities connection principally. Uh, so there you go. All right. That's enough overture. So what what happened at the Minnesota Fringe, Amanda? Okay. So this was my first time at Fringe. Kevin, was this your first time at Fringe too? No, no. But first time in a long time. Because long time. I was peripatetic. I didn't live here for a minute. But yeah, back in my heyday, I, I definitely uh, attended a lot of Fringe shows. And I did the real... Uh, get on your bike and go here, you know, hustle whole fringe days. I mean, whole fringe weekends, epic. You're meeting people here and you're seeing somebody at this show. And then it's a really cool thing they put on. And it's it's awesome to see that it's sustained itself. Absolutely. And you, you got you got a real fringe experience because we did three shows, bam, bam, bam. And you're like, you're walking out and rushing to the next one. It was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. And I I believe this is the 30th there. This was the 30th annual Minnesota Fringe. So it's been around for 30 years, which is just awesome. Rocking. And there's a lot of great artists in this area who are just like doing the doing the thing, you know, doing the thing like us. And they have a lot of different shows. I mean, we saw a horror show, which is incredible. When does that ever happen on stage? Which is super cool. Um, we saw an amazing show. Uh, that was a tribute to Gilda Radner. Um, Let me and- give a preface here. Yeah, these are ne- we're not giving reviews. We are not reviewers. We are simply theater respecters, theater appreciators. So none of this will be a review. Do do not confuse it for that. And I'm sort of of the school uh, that says if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, especially when you're on the radio. Uh, but we'll we'll give some unvarnished opinions about these about these three pieces. And of course, if any of the creators and or any anybody involved in these shows wants to come on and, and talk more, we will be glad to have you. So that's an open invitation. Go ahead, Amanda. Absolutely. So I think I'm going to start out with. So at the end of Fringe, um, I, I believe almost any Fringe festival, they have kind of, you know, audience awards and then sort of artist driven awards. I know that's how it is at the. Uh, D.C. area Fringe Festival, which is called the Capital Fringe Festival, uh, which I've been to a few times. And that's also a great one. If you've ne- if you're like a fringe uh, festival person and you want to travel around, not just for a show, but to, um, you know, go to another city and experience Fringe uh, in a different way with, a you know, because the thing I love about Fringe is that you see all shows that are made, not all shows, but most shows are made by local artists and their perspective and, you know, the art is is curated by the culture of what we have going on right now and uh, this moment, which is which is just amazing. And of course, you also have some uh, shows traveling from um, fringe to fringe, which is also really cool. So you can kind of get a taste of what everywhere else is doing. Um, 
But yeah, if you go to different cities, if you, you know, whether it's Edinburgh or, you know, Capital Fringe or New York Fringe, you can really get a taste of like what what's the the pulse of the art in that city at the time and who are the up and coming artists and what they have to say. And I just that is to me, that is awesome. You know, these are the artists that will be hopefully driving, you know, what is art in America or greater in the next, you know, 25 to 50 years. Um, So that's just great. And I think I'm going to, if it's okay with you, Kevin, read off some of the winners here. I won't do them all because it's, there's a long list of, um, they have different categories, but I think it's important to uh, shout out the 2023 Golden Lanyard Award winners is what they're called here. And uh, the audience driven awards. So these were picked by the audiences the Spirit of the Fringe, the show that won that award, was a swimming lesson in a theater without a lifeguard by an alleged theater company, which is a fantastic name. Uh, audience picks were Grinder Help Desk, the musical by David Stillman, New Origins, Beauty and the Beast by Too Many Cooks, A Girl Scout's Guide to Exorcism, which I'm so ter- terribly sad I missed, um, by Melancholics Anonymous. And uh, Fringe with Benefits member pick was Baldwin's Last Fire by Black Lives Black Words International Project. And shout out to Matthew Sachs, our super talented uh, friend and performer who's been on the pod before and also in the readings at Waldman. Uh, He was in that show. So congrats to him and the cast and everybody involved in that. Uh, Some artist-driven awards were artist picks were Starved, The Astonishing True Story of the University of Minnesota Starvation Experiment by Pat O'Brien, Ha Ha Da Vinci by Thena Pipia. I Excuse me if I get your name wrong. I am so sorry. Um, that Girl Starved Scouts- play sounds pretty funny because I was I was starving as an undergrad at the U. I, I could have <laughs> just, I didn't even need to. <laughs> sorry. Go on. A Girl Scout's Guide to Exorcism I was not I lived on Chinese food. By Melancholics Anonymous. Oh, gotta love that ramen too, you know? Ramen will get you through anything. Um, Underdog Award was the defini- Definition of Loss by Ashen Armor Productions. And the Beverly Award was given to the dedicated patron, Nanette Stearns. And if you want to learn more about who was uh, nominated and who won, you can visit minnesotafringe.org slash awards to find out the full listing. But yeah, shout out to all of those people. Hey, yeah, and congrats, and everybody. Companies. That's exciting. That's, yeah. It's awesome. Like, go you guys. You're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. That's freaking great. And if you caught those shows, that's awesome. If you didn't and you wish you did, too bad, so sad. You got to catch them, you know, next year if they remount them or at another fringe or keep an eye out for those companies and those artists. And, you know, that's just the way ephemeral art goes. That's the nature of theater. Mari, what's your relationship to all things fringy? I know you weren't in, you weren't in town here uh, for this one, but generally, are you a fringe well, respecter? Last year, I had the the pleasure of seeing a couple of really good shows at the fringe that were hilarious. And so I am definitely a fringe respecter. I cool. love to see wacky, experimental theater, all different types of genres. And like you said, it's fun to run around. Reminds me yeah. a bit of... Um, if, if, if either of you did the International Thespian Society in high school, it's a bit like a it's a bit like a fringe festival. It's all over the country. You do like 30 minute versions of any play, any classic play you want. And you kind of run around and see all of the categories. And it's a really great time. That's awesome. I 
what I was doing FFA. I'm not familiar yeah. with that. Future Farmers of America and the Four oh. H. <laughs> That's what I was doing in high school. We didn't we didn't have have the thespian society out in uh, yeah, central Minnesota. But you know what? That's why maybe I love Fringe so much. I was already online. The closest thing I got to that was uh, during grad school. I I got to go over to the uh, the UK. They call it the National Student Drama Festival uh, over there, and. Uh, they may even call it the international, but in any case, it's like the UK brings, uh, they curate, they find the best student productions from all around the country, mm. Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, uh, and they, and they bring them, uh, to one place. And so you can see like 30 shows and they're like the, it's like the best of the best from the UK, from all the reaches of the country. And, they, and it's nuts. Cause of course at 18, everybody can drink. So everybody's, I mean, it is, it's a freaking party. It'd, it'd be like if the fringe was, took over a city, like an entire small city. You're walking all day, every day. You could see like six shows in a day if you wanted. It was bonkers. I love yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, and I performed at the Prague Fringe Festival, which oh, yeah? was absolutely amazing because you had, um, it was stuff from Edinburgh, stuff from uh, the United States and stuff from, you know, Italy and France. And it was in all these different languages. And, you know, I went to a couple of shows that weren't in English, but I had a great time. And, oh, man. And, you know, the Czech Republic, they're very into puppets and mm -hmm. puppetry. It's a very Eastern European um, art form. Um, I could go into all about how that kind of evolved with um uh, sort of, you know, their commentary on using puppets, commentary on human beings and society, especially during certain regimes and their sort of artist way to hide their messages because they weren't using real people and it wasn't about anyone real per se. But fascinating if you've ever if you haven't ever gone down that rabbit hole, Eastern European puppetry and um, yes, the the Prague fringe was was amazing. And you're walking around this like you know, beautiful old city. And, you know, these shows are in the back of pubs and, you know, part of an old castle and, uh, you know, a, a really beautiful apartment complex in a, you know, vacant apartment. And it's just awesome. And you meet all of these artists from all over the world. And yeah, it's, it's yeah, wild. It, it it's never, great. it never dawned on me, but you could quite literally just be a fringe theater person. That could be your entire exposure to theater. If you mm. are kind of sick of the institutional bloat and the all of that stuff, you really could just say, when somebody asks, hey, you like theater? You go, no, nah, I just go see Fringe. Yeah, I love theater. I just go see Fringe. That could be your vibe for theater. And I would respect that. You know, I like somebody who's like, ah, I don't really care for Shakespeare. I, 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 like, I like to go so you see, see crazy Fringe shows. That's fine. That is awesome. I, I, I respect that. Yeah. And most fringe shows are under an hour, you know, yeah. so you don't you don't go and it's not your whole evening. If you don't want it to be, you can, you know, have dinner before, go to a fringe show, have a drink in between, go to another fringe show if you want. And if you don't, you can go see, you know, to the next day. Um, yeah. So it's sort yeah. of the it's like theatrical speed dating. It's really great. It's like going to a music festival, except if you miss it, they're probably doing it again tomorrow. So don't worry about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I hope. Yeah. And Go it's on. a great it's a great way to fund artists directly in those communities, you know, so you don't have that 
admin bloat necessarily. And, you know, you you might only see this show once in your life. Well, and we're talking about this article that came out recently in the Washington Post. Like the name mm-hmm. of the author escapes me, but you could look it up. The The title of the article was something to the effect of uh, theater Theater is dying and it deserves to, something like this. Yeah, it was theater, theater doesn't deserve to be saved mm-hmm. as it exists yeah. now. Yeah, and it was sort of talking about the institutional bloat in the American theater and some of these outsized salaries for um particularly artistic directors at regional theaters and like the public and such. And, you know, you can, you can just say, put all of that aside, you know, God bless those people. They're doing their best. They're in a system that is totally driven by money and then, and um, ticket sales and they're up against uh, sort of administrative and institutional forces that my peasant brain probably couldn't grok. Like I would, I'll never understand what it's like to be like the artistic director of a major regional theater. I just won't. I can't imagine the politics and everything that goes on. But the point that this author makes in that article is that the way theater will be saved, will it'll happen. It's going to happen because it's unavoidable. People need theater. I mean, if you want to ask me about my theory of theater, it's like our humanity is inseparable from the practice of theater. I truly believe that. And so it will find a way to pop up. It'll it's like whack-a-mole. Uh, and institutions have a way of just pressing it down. That's that's just what they do. Like it's like, can you imagine if the Rolling Stones had set up shop in some Vegas casino in the 80s and that and that's it? Like it, it's a similar thing for the the theater. It's like it's just like, can you it doesn't institutions just are are um well, it's political and everything gets bogged down and everything gets slowed and everything gets done by committee and you have all these outside factors. Point is, the fringe style of theater is what is going to emerge out of the out of the, the the crevices here because, I mean, some of these salaries they were talking about is like a quarter of a million dollars for an artistic director in Milwaukee during COVID. And I can tell you, if we could give a quarter of a million dollars to 15 of the companies uh, that we're doing these these fringe shows. And I'm saying divide a quarter of a million dollars between mm-hmm. them. Give them each whatever, $20,000. $20, so that'd be $300,000. $20,000. They could make more art, more vital art, and actually pay uh, theatrical talent by renting their own spaces, casting their own people, paying their own people, and doing you know short runs of plays, two or three weeks. And if something's a hit, Guess what? You just they could make more art than these than one salary at an at a a, a dying you know dead uh, bloated institutional theater uh, you know that it takes to feed one salary. Yeah, you get my point. Yeah, and and I completely agree with you, Kevin. And not only uh, is it you know doing so much for those companies and those people, but you are directly feeding the art of your community. It's not a play that's been shipped in from the UK. Not that that's bad. You know, because if you want to see whatever, you you know, you should be able to do that. But you have a choice and it's more affordable. Your tickets are going to be 20 bucks, 25 bucks, you know, 50 maybe at most, at very most. And you're feeding the stories from your community and 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 the artists from your community and helping to foster that and grow it and you know, make make a lasting impact. And then I'll make a second point when you're talking about the institutions being so, you know, bogged down with, you know, the building and the admin fees and everybody who has to work there. And sometimes I feel like these, uh, you know, in the article, I, I agree with her when she made this point about this, you have these behemoth theaters that have three or four spaces in them. And, you know, they have the, all these shows going on at the same time. 
And a lot of them are a shipped in from other places or, you know, B half of the cast is, you know, or I would say half is a good number, but, you know, more than that aren't local. So you're not. So people who are artists don't don't feel like they can be uh, have sustainable careers uh, as you know, fully fledged artists, whether, hey, I want to act in one show, I want to write another thing, I'm going to stage manage this thing and, you know, do all these different roles and wear all these different hats. That's unsustainable in our own communities. And then they end up leaving. They end up leaving. And um, I think that, you know, having a having a different model or a different type of model running parallel to to regional institutional theaters um, is the only way. And when these institutions are very slow, they can't keep up with the culture. So you're seeing things from, you know, three to five to seven years ago by the time they, you know, these shows are making it out uh, to Minneapolis or Chicago. And and that also keeps our communities behind. It's so- It's painfully provincial. It's really like frighteningly provincial. And uh, it's driven by the media uh, oligarchies, uh, the the papers that drive the the narrative well beyond where you know where they're published, whatever that means anymore. Uh, this article is by a woman named uh, Monica Byrne, and it's called "Why Theater in Its Current Form Does Not Deserve to Be Saved." I, I didn't plan on us talking about this, but this is mouthing off. We're gonna mouth off. That's that's what it's about. Mari, did you have something? Well, I was just gonna say that you know I've mentioned a couple of times I worked at kind of a one of the major Midwest regional theaters. I was a bartender, but there were a, quite a few productions that went on during my time there that were remounted, not from productions in New York or London or LA, but productions that the company had done years earlier. Because when you have the administrative bloat and you have the salaries and you have the board to please, um, the only thing that matters is butts and seats, selling tickets to individuals and big families. If you can get families to come, you're going to make a lot of money. Subscriptions. And it Mm -hmm. limits what you can do. Mm -hmm. So I think a model like the fringe is sort of well, and I, some a kind of something that is good to support because you're supporting the artists directly in your community and you're getting to see the newest stuff. I mean, and let, let's not operate out of this scarcity mentality uh, either. Like, you know, these regional theaters can continue to do whatever the hell they're doing and it might not be your cup of tea, but it what wasn't. this... <laughs> Right. Yeah. And we all have different varying opinions about these things. And I certainly know the people working inside these institutions have opinions that they'll not air on NPR, but which privately they're, I'm sure they're feeling and they have strong, strong uh, feelings about it. My point is this uh, author in this piece in the Washington Post is saying fund artists directly. And I, I really, I obviously, it sounds self-serving for somebody who's a playwright, an artist to say this, but I believe this. And we've started our own little theater company here. And I can assure you on the radio, on this podcast episode, that'll be evergreen and will exist forever, that if we were to be so fortunate to receive a you know, to, to start uh, bringing in a quarter of a million dollars in donations every year, our first move would not be to pay ourselves salaries, right? Like we would, I genuinely, I, I don't want to turn this into a company meeting, but the amount <laughs> of like good work that you could produce for that amount of money would be remarkable. And then, and you could truly pay people 
here's the cast of six. We're doing four weeks at Phoenix Theater. Everybody eats. Everybody works. It pays for itself. And then that money can stay in an account and grow and you keep doing work. And then, yeah, ultimately, if you if you end up working on the theater company full time, okay, now we can start thinking about like a modest salary, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you don't need a, a $50 million building to do theater. Yeah, exactly. And I have a cu- just a couple points off of what you said uh, that when the other thing I challenge, you know, uh, people to do like you touched on Kevin is you know res- responsible producing you know we're not going to sit here and do a musical with 25 people with microphones and all of the electronics and everything that we need you know we're doing you know two to five person shows bare bones and it's about the acting and that's and it's about the script because that's what we want to focus on that's our mission of you know new exciting work and producing that and getting it out there and um i also encourage people to go online and look at financial uh, financial statements here here's my nerd moment my accountant moment look at the financial statements and look at where these theaters are spending their money and and it's going to be kind of an eye opening experience i think for a lot of these subscribers and you know even though you're seeing you know a car drive on set and horses and fireworks and this stuff mm. are you walking away you know, can you laugh? Can you cry? Is the is the space inhibiting you from, you know, really connecting to the people around you? Is it a play echoing what you already think and what you want to think and know? Are you in an echo chamber? Are you challenged? Mm. Are you inspired? Are you, you know, and or are you walking away like shocked and and excited and inspired and and really, you know, not afraid to to open up and really connect with the people that you're sitting around and yeah look at look at the financial statements and something that i encourage young theater companies follow the money (laughs) follow the money my grandpa oh my gosh my grandpa was just yep that's his advice and god bless him uh and for smaller theater companies publish and put a link and we should do this kevin sorry sorry everyone it's a company meeting uh, no it's good it's good um to to put a breakdown and say hey this is you know this is what we spent on our last production this is what went to the artist this is how much a space cost because a lot mm. of people mm. don't recognize that you know these spaces to to rent and to keep them open is quite and quite expensive space is not cheap and and you're yes. talking about minute we're talking about minnesota here you rent a space out in march you're heating that thing just that alone the heating bill to keep a, a, a like a kind of almost like a storefront theater warm mm-hmm. in minnesota that alone is it, it's expensive exactly and you know we you know costumes and makeup and you know all that kind of stuff is you know not not very much but you know space and artist salaries or not salaries but artist you know compensation hey. are the main components or should be the main components of what you're what you're spending money on and you should be able to click on any theater and find that and yeah. know yeah. what you're spe- you know and i and i and we, i only say this because i i did um uh, if you ever want to look at charities and how ch- what charities spend their money on, go to charitynavigator.org, I believe, and mm. you can see the charity breakdowns. And, you know, if they're spending l- less than 75 percent directly funding what they're supposed to be or what they say they're helping with and, you know, 30 yeah. percent is admin bloat, that's a problem. 
Yeah, that's not, a, that, that's not a that's not a sure yeah. sure that's not a not for profit. That's a that's a, somebody's making profit. Somebody's making a six hundred thousand dollars salary, and uh, flying around and, and living large. So yeah, uh, th- this took a tangent, but I'm glad that it did. And just know that hey, again, we're a five hundred one c three. We're small. Hopefully, in the future, we have some champagne problems where we have to figure out how to how to pay. You know our actors even more and uh, the talent even more. Uh, and yeah, maybe maybe down the line, we commit to full transparency in terms of the books. I know companies do that. I think you have to like at a certain level um, or like people almost expect it. Um, you know, in your, Absolutely. In your and you can, reporting, and so. you can, mm-hmm. and you can search for uh, 501c3s and I, mm-hmm. I believe for everyone, they have mm-hmm. to report them, you know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, through the state and through the Fed. So you you can find them. Cool. You know, and, and again, I, I don't want to like it would be great if there was some sort of a vi- vibe of like a renaissance happening at the regional theaters, too. I would love to get totally jazzed about something going on uh, in that in that arena. And it, and, it, and it can be a yes and thing. But this this alternative model that this uh, lady is proposing, um, this author is proposing is, you know, it's viable. It's real. It's serious. There, there are people who want to give a lot of money to the arts and to theater. I mean, there's some rich theater respecters out there, some people who you know want to be able to support theater. And quite seriously, her her approach of giving money to theater artists and letting them hire their collaborators, hire, you know, rent out space and make work, you're going to get more vital theater that's going to look more like fringe theater for sure. It's not going to be the 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 new show from New York or the new show from Chicago. It's not going to be a, a Broadway transfer. We're talking about like real local vital work coming out of communities around the country, all of which have different things to say. Fringe in DC is different from fringe in Minnesota. I assume fringe in Detroit, you know, would be different too. And Portland and on and Austin. I have I know for a fact I live down in Austin. Their fringy stuff is different from what's up here. And that's the stuff that should rise rather than all this other stuff tumbling downhill. And maybe they could maybe that could tumble downhill and meet us here, but we could also rise from from uh, various locales and regions. And that's one of the things that makes America great. Exactly. Yes, and and more theater and mm-hmm. more theater is always better, right? So yep. get out there, experiment, see some new stuff, uh, mm-hmm. go see uh, small theater companies work or dance companies or stand-up comedians and give them, support them and give them a reason to stay and yeah. make it make their life sustainable here. Totally. Because that's going to pay off in 10 years, in 20 years. Absolutely. And, you know, some of the great, great shows, like didn't the play that goes wrong come from a small town in the UK? And the only reason it kind of like left that company was because a, a movie director saw it uh, mm. and and brought it out. But it sure. it was already it was already from a company that had formed and known each other and like wrote yeah. this and and made it their own and now it's around the world. Absolutely, yeah. And that stuff is out there waiting to happen. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That was a bit of a tangent. Let's talk. I love it though, and I appreciate uh, the, the both of you you know going along with it and all of your thoughts and opinions, Amanda. I know we could probably do like a three hour rambling podcast about this topic um 
but I, I think you said it best. More theater is better. And uh, if you can find ways to fund artists directly, that I, I do think that's the move these days for sure. And maybe we see new, a new model arise. It would be very interesting to see. It's something like the Playwright Center does. The Playwright Playwright Center gets a lot of money into the hands of playwrights. And I know for a fact they they make careers. They send people on their way. So why can't every city have something like that, right? Maybe the institutional theater in town, you know, takes a 10% budget cut. You start a, an institution that's about, you know, supporting theater makers as they emerge. There's room. There's room to maneuver out there, people. Hell, give the institutional theater another 10%. Just save some for the uh, for the other idea that we had just there. Okay. Um, what the hell did we see at Fringe, Amanda? What the heck did we see at Fringe? Do you have the lineup of shows? I do. We saw three shows, and, and Mari was not there. So I think the game here uh, I is... feel like I was there from okay. what I've heard. Okay. We're going to talk you through the three shows that we saw in order, and then uh, I'll start. So the first show we saw was, I think, a fringe pick, like, a, like one of the featured uh, shows. And it's this great actress named... Helena K. Tosentino, and she does a show called Gilda, a tribute to the beloved comedian Gilda Radner. And Mari, uh, Gilda's from, uh, was from Detroit. She's from Michigan. She is. I live right near the, there's a, a women's organization that is the Gilda Radner Association or something. And I she, she's grew a, up right by it. That's a, I think it's a cancer charity. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they yeah, do a lot of community mm -hmm. stuff, and it's a big deal in the metro Detroit area. Well, and here's the show description. Uh, transport back to a time when humor was innocent, yet edgy and poignant. Her infamous SNL characters, quirky songs, stories of her life and career, and how she used humor to overcome the fears of a life cut short. Amanda, what did you make of this? I... I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Gilda Radner and like the early comedians, you know, Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball. Um, so I loved it. Uh, I just want to also mention that this was a top 10 at the Kansas City Fringe in 2018, the most heart at the Hollywood Fringe Festival in 2016, uh, the best venue in Hamilton Fringe 2017. I'm not sure where that is located. But that's and that's outside Toronto. Nice. And it was oh. the best solo at the Cap DC's Capital Fringe Festival of 2023. So he's out here crushing it out here crushing it congratulations i i loved it i think it's everything a fringe show you know could should be i mean it had something for everyone in it it made you laugh it was touching and she performed it beautifully and you know you have these you could reminisce um back to these old uh amazing bits that gilda wrote and performed which was always so fun i mean who doesn't love you know snl you know, origin nostalgia. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to watch a woman play a famous person playing her characters. Yes. So the, I really reveled in that. And uh, a lot of quick costume changes, uh, very earnest, very sweet. And I know a lot about Gilda Radner because of the other podcast I do, Art of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com. We did an episode about Gilda Radner that my sister prompted. I didn't even really know who she was. And my sister was like, oh, let's do it. You got to do Have me on. We'll do an episode on Gilda Radner. So I learned a lot about her. Had no idea she was married to Gene Wilder and and also just how tragic it was that she she was really young. She was like in her 40s. 42. Um, 
I think. Oof, yeah. Yeah. And I got a birthday coming up. I'm almost, I'm getting there. So that's, that's not a fun thing to think about, but this, uh, this creator here, Helena did a really, really good job. It was fun. And you know, you could just see it. it's going to be a fringe hit. People are going to love that. Yeah. Uh, and she, and I shout out to, uh, from a performance perspective, shout out mm-hmm. to her for doing a character. Um, like you said, you know, embodying somebody embodying a character that they wrote is extremely difficult but because people are looking for for a uh an exact like replica and and also singing you know mm-hmm. doing you know doing an impression and and talking and kind of getting the cadence of the speech and things like that is and the jokes are one thing landing those but it's another to to be able to sing and do that so kudos yeah. to Kudos to her for that. Um, and, and she also- was at, hang on, she was at the Southern Theater, which is an incredible venue. Uh, I've principally seen dance there, but it's like, it must be one of the oldest theaters in the Twin Cities. And it's all, it's all sort of like dilapidated, but they restored some of it. It's a vibe. It yeah, that was just. Mm gorgeous it's everything i want a theater to be it's you know got this exposed brick and very industrial feel but it's got this soul that things have happened there and people have seen things there and gathered and it's just awesome and especially for a show like this i mean it was a great venue uh i don't know how they paired that or if it was just by chance but that was really really great i, I think it's a lottery i i it, it, we'll have to f- ask somebody who is involved with the fringe when when we get somebody uh you know from there to come on but yeah i think it's like luck of the draw because i'm sure some people would want that venue but maybe maybe there is some curation i don't know mm-hmm. uh yeah what were you gonna say amanda <clears throat> No, I just enjoyed it very much and um I hope, you know, it comes back, but she also did a shout out at the end to Gilda's um cancer charity uh and took donations for that. So I thought that was really cool as well. All right. Yeah, that was a good time. The second show that we saw was over at Augsburg College, which is across the way from the flagship university of the great state of Minnesota, my alma mater, Go Gophers the University of Minnesota. And we saw a show called Kill Me Too, directed by John Irvin. This one is not as easy to talk about as Gilda because it's it's not a simple thing to, ex- to explain. Here's what it says on the website. Kill Me Too, a musical comedy in the tradition of Bertolt Brecht that pokes fun, and that's a mild way of saying this, pokes fun at the Me Too movement. A rocker, an architect, a veteran, and an impresario join forces to bring Me Too to its knees. I think this one-man show by this fellow who is like a dynamo, comes out on stage, goes for 30 minutes, does not stop, uh, is one of the most baffling pieces of theater I've ever seen. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think audiences had no idea what to make of this. I think it was a little bit punk rock. I think he talks about Brecht. I don't even know if I'm being messed with in the show title. I think it's or in the uh, the show description. It's like, it's a little bit of Ted Nugent. It's a little bit of Jack Kerouac. It's a little bit of Hunter S. Thompson. Amanda, you were saying it's a little bit of Clint Eastwood. And it's a whole lot of gonna offend the hell out of a lot of people who go to see the French. What did you think, Amanda? You know, it's interesting because like you said, I I don't think I'll ever see anything like this ever again. And 
at you know, and I don't know, I don't want to say that's a, you know a bad thing or a good thing, but the thing that I did enjoy about it was that I came out and I I was shocked and I didn't know what it was, and I'm you know, and I and I'm still thinking about it days later. So right and right, so and the we're way pretty... we evaluate mm. art. Mm-hmm. is 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 kind of interesting because oh you know I love this Gilda show but the one you know the one I'm talking about is this one right and, and I'm the not Gilda, really even and the sure Gilda, why the Gilda show is incredible the, but the Gilda show and, and and God love it it's like you I can explain what it is to you and you can picture it in your mind's eye now that's not as fun as going to see it this I can explain it to you you'll have no idea what this was not really not unless you were in that room watching it. I mean, look, listen to the content warnings alone. Mari, this is what you missed. Adult language, crude humor, sexual content, other divisive content. It's that other divisive content. That encapsulates a lot of, a lot of things. What? Other, that's a good name for another play. Other divisive content. Ooh, that, that's really I, great. I'd go, I'd go see that play. Uh, but this, yeah, and this fellow, I mean, and you can go to the minnesotafringe.org website and find uh, The Gilda Show, find Kill Me Too. You can go read some of the reviews. This really divided divided audiences, um, you know, and uh, I'll just say, you know, whatever this whatever this guy is on, he's on it. And he's he, he went for it. And it was a... It was a wild little half hour in the theater. Um, shall we leave it at that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I guess I'm trying to think of a time that I walked out of the theater confused, but like feeling a lot and unsure yeah. what I saw and like processing. Yep. And I just, mm-hmm. I, and I almost like, I, we kind of looked at each other and we didn't even have words for a while as we walked out. And the last time I saw a show like this, it has, was not, not like this at all, but it was at uh, Theater Jun Loon when it was still open um, with the brilliant um, uh, Dominique Sarand and uh, Steve Epps. They're just amazing and their company. Um, and it was called Fish Tank. And there were hardly any words. And it was where these people, it was mostly a movement play with very little words and only sounds. And it made me laugh out loud because there were clown moments. And then at one point I was like, kind of, I was crying and tearing up and I like, I walked out and I'm like, there wasn't really a linear storyline or plot. And I walked out and I'm just kind of like, I, I, I don't have any words to describe that. And I kind of think that's fascinating. It's Agreed. a wonderful way to feel. And it, you know, you see something like that and it does what art is supposed to do. It makes you grateful to be alive so that you can experience something that confounds you. It confounding. Yes. That's a great way. Yes. That's a great way to leave it. Yeah. All right. And the third and final play that we saw, uh, and, and next next year we'll try to get out to more shows for Fringe. We obviously everybody has their own schedules, but I think we did okay. We got out, we saw three shows. Was Stabby Stab Stab uh by Special When Lit and the Winding Sheet Outfit, written by is it Nisa? Nisa Norland Morgan? Uh Nissa. Nissa, Nissa Norland, uh, Nordland Morgan, and she's the uh, she's like the artistic director of the horror fest that's coming up, correct? Yes, and I'm hoping to have her on the podcast. So if you see her out there, you know, tell her she's got to come on and uh, like tell us all about the Twin Cities Horror Fest because I didn't even know we had one. 
I didn't know we yes. had one. I love horror. You love, mm-hmm. you guys love horror. And especially when that's oh, mixed with theater yeah. because you never see it. And I know we've talked about at nauseum about that on the podcast before. And I talked to her actually Nissa after the show um, oh, great. about different ideas and horror in the theater and psychological and gore and all this kind of stuff. So, and it's going on during October. So go out and see that festival. Like how fun, if you can't get into the haunted house or uh, you know, you, you don't, want to see another scary movie that you've seen before or they're not doing it for you anymore go out and see the horror fest we've got to cover we've got to cover the horror fest we've got to go see a few shows amanda let's make it happen uh this uh play you were reading the playbill and you didn't know amanda who um slender man was you didn't know about this story so you got to go in like with innocence uh which oh was god is this what i think it's about it's called stabby stab stab i have a it, feeling it's about the slender man stabbing in wisconsin and so it stars the uh, uh, nissa and uh another actor and uh, they had like a live orchestration one fellow was on like elect- an electronic uh drum kit another fellow on since the first guy was like on a vocorder so he would do the voice of Slenderman you know and it would the voice would come out all creepy and weird very creepy extremely theatrical the entire thing was scored live it's one of those plays that you go into as a theater person theater maker and you it it, it sets off a bunch of ideas in your head because you go yes. wow that was handled deftly the way they handled texting uh was done very very well um just a beautiful uh, show, very well lighted. Um, if anything, my only not to grow, I'm not grousing, and this isn't a criticism. This could definitely be a full length, total night in the theater. You know, it's it's it sat very well in the fringe context, but but of the shows that we saw, this is the one that I think could could be blown out into a full ninety minutes with an intermission, or you know, but whatever they did, what they they it was still fully realized as it was. And I left Mm -hmm. feeling, I left feeling having some pretty strong feelings. I I was sort of like, that's very difficult to watch because the story is so sad. I have a teenage daughter right now. This really happened. Not far away. Not Not far far away. away. You know, and we're kind of like watching it. I was like, it made me a little squirmy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And it, it, it definitely had the same effect on me and I didn't know the story and I, I was you know, horrified that it was so close. These girls were so young, so young, unbelievable, and that this happened. And yeah, I thought that it was, you know, really well written. And the score, the live music score was just super effective. It was awesome. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah I wanted, cool. I wanted more, you know, which is, I, mm-hmm. I was completely satisfied. Like you said, it was like a very like tight, you know, whatever, 50, 55 minutes or whatever it was, but it could be, it could be more. And that's how, you know, you have a great show and she did a great job writing in it and then acting it in and it act, too and acting yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm really glad that was a, we had a really fun night at the fringe. We I did. had a really we good time. The fringe we and binged. it was great. The fringe and Mari, we're going to lure you back to the Twin Cities one day. You're coming. Well, well, you're coming back for the Edge of Liberty. I will be back next month, and I hope to make it out to more of the fringe next year. I love the fringe. I love what I saw last year. It's a All great. Right. It's a 
it's I mean, we do a podcast about it, but it's a great arts community and there's there's nothing like it. Very cool. Well, you've been listening to Mouthing Off, a theater arts and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company on 94.1 FM Frogtown Radio coming at you. BadmouthTC.com. Minnesota Playlist. Come see The Edge of Liberty. It's a free reading, 7 p.m., September 18th, Waldman Brewery, St. Paul, Minnesota. You can RSVP at badmouthtc.com. Amanda, Mari, until the next binge, have a beautiful, have a beautiful week. All right.